Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichten-Walter, and this is part of the Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be reading The Law of Propagation, Chapter 4 of Michael Adam, which is discussing the Adam-God Doctrine. We'll be on pages 36 through 51. The reader program is about 34 minutes long, and then uh, we're probably going to have my wife and my son read tonight, since I'm kind of exhausted, and I'll be driving tonight as it is. So, Anyway, here we go. The Law of Propagation, Chapter 4 of the Adam-God Doctrine, or of Michael Adam, pages 36 through 51. The Law of Propagation, Chapter 4 of Michael Adam of the Adam-God Doctrine, pages 36 to 51. There is a law, irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world, upon which all blessings are predicated m- and when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. Dian C. 130, 20-21, The Laws of Mathematics, Science, and of propagation are eternal in their nature. Shortcuts by disobedience cannot produce similar results in these or in any of the works of God. But it is hard to get the people to believe that God is a scientific character, that he lives by science or strict law, that by this he is, and by law he was made what he is, and will remain to all eternity because of his faithful adherence to law. It is a most difficult thing to make the people believe that. He is their author. Our spirits are his. He begot them. We are his children. He set the machine in motion to produce our tabernacles. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses 13, 306. The law of propagation is not an exception and all living things must come forth by the law of reproduction through the seed of its own type and kind. Plants, insects, fowls, animals, and man must reproduce their own species through obedience to this eternal and unchangeable law. Paul the Apostle said, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain, seed. It may, 37, chance of wheat, or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. I call. 15, 37-39, species cannot be changed by interbreeding except by creating a mutation, Freak or hybrid. 
The prophet Joseph Smith agreed with this when he stated, God has set many signs on the earth, as well as in the heavens. For instance, the oak of the forest, the fruit of the tree, the herb of the field, all bear a sign that seed hath been planted there. For it is a decree of the Lord that every tree, plant, and herb bearing seed should bring forth of its kind, and cannot come forth after any other law or principle. TPJS P 198 The footnote on this same page by Joseph Fielding Smith reads, This very positive statement by the prophet, that every tree, plant, and herb, and evidently every other creature, cannot produce except after its kind, is in harmony not only with the scriptures, but also with all known facts in the world. TPJS P 198 In his famous speech of 1852, Brigham Young also concurs that the origin of all vegetation upon the earth was by seed. They, Adam and Eve, came here, organized the raw material and arranged in the order the herbs of the field, the trees, the apple, the peach, the plum, the pear, and every other fruit that is desirable and good for man. The seed was brought from another sphere, and planted in this earth. Journal of Discourses 150, 38, Brigham Young's counselor, Bussey, Kimball, also agreed with this when he said, Did you find the seed? No, you did not. The Lord found it. When he came here he brought it with him and he told his sons to sow it, and let it increase. Journal of Discourses 2, 160 After the earth was made, then there was a garden spot selected, and the Lord commanded some of his associates to go and plant it, and to cause all kinds of vegetation to grow, and fruits of every description. Some supposed the Lord commanded all these things to come out of the earth. Yes, he did after the seeds were put in the earth. And he blessed the earth, and the vegetation that was in the earth. When all these things were done, the garden was beautified, and made pure and clean and holy and sanctified. And then the next thing was to bring forth the animal creation. But the animals were not brought there until the vegetation was planted and grown. We often sing, this earth was once a garden place, where God our Father dwelled and took possession and understand that mankind will take who attain to that honor. The religion of Jesus Christ, of angels, of Brigham, and of all good men is to take care of and improve and adorn the earth as Adam did. When he planted the garden, he planted it with seeds he brought with him, and he also brought the animals from the earth he lived upon, where his father dwelt. Journal of Discourses 8 243. Did God produce us? He did, and every son and daughter of Adam upon this earth. And he produced us upon the same principle that we produce one another. And so it is with the fruit of creation. Journal of Discourses 6, 101. President Brigham Young was positive of this, and he emphasized this law so that no one would mistake his meaning or intent. 
39, God has made his children like himself to stand erect, and has endowed them with intelligence and power and dominion over all his works, and given them the same attributes which he himself possesses. He created man, as we create our children. For there is no other process of creation in heaven, on the earth, in the earth, or under the earth, or in all the eternities, that is, that were, or ever will be. Journal of Discourses 11, 122. The Prophet Joseph Smith expounded this principle, also establishing man's eternal conformity to his law of propagation. If Abraham reasoned thus and dash if Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and John discovered that God the Father of Jesus Christ had a father, you must suppose that he had a father also. Where was there ever a son without a father? And where was there ever a father without first being a son? Whenever did the tree or anything spring into existence without a progenitor? And everything comes in this way. TPJS P 373 Hugh through his research and reasoning, came to the same conclusion. We find throughout the cosmos an infinity of dwelling places, top or either occupied or awaiting tenants. These are colonized by migrants from previously established to poses or worlds, or going back ultimately to a single original center. The colonizing process is called planting, and those spirits which bring their treasures to a new world are called plants, more rarely seeds, of their father or planter in another world. Every planting goes out from a treasure house, either as the essential material elements or as the colonizers themselves, who come from a sort of muster and area called the treasure house either as the essential material elements or as 40 the colonizers themselves who come from a sort of mustering area called the treasure house of the souls with its planting completed a new world is in business a new treasury has been established from which new sparks may go forth in all directions to start the process anew in ever new spaces god wants every man to plant a planting nay he has promised that those who keep his law may also become creators of worlds. But keeping that law requires following the divine pattern in every point. In taking the treasure to a new world, the sent one who follows hard on the heels of the colonists seeks nothing so much as complete identity with the one who sent him. Hence, from first to last, one mind alone dominates the whole boundless complex. Because each planting is completely dependent on its treasure house or home base, the system never breaks up into independent systems. In this patriarchal order all remains forever identified with the Father from whom all ultimately come forth. Nobly on the timely and the timeless, Hunably, P. 60. This principle strikes at the foundation of the creation philosophy of Adam. The modern concept of religious thinking is willing to give Jesus a mother, but not a literal father. And under the same peculiar quirk they contribute a father to Adam, but not a mother. This famous sermon of President Brigham Young clearly announced that Adam had a mother and Jesus had a father. He was striking a preponderant blow at the traditions, 
superstitions, and hallowed famous tales of philosophizing on the subject of Adam's beginning. Brother Kimball quoted the saying of Joseph the prophet, that he would not worship a god who had not a father, and I do not know that he would if he had not a mother. The one would be as absurd as the other. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses 9, 286, 41, we have learned that God is our Father, and that we are His children, bonafide His children. Not in a spiritual sense alone, but when we say, Our Father who art in heaven, we mean just what we say. Daniel H. Wells, Journal of Discourses 16, 127. Thus you may continue and trace the human family back to Adam and Eve, and ask, are we of the same species with Adam and Eve? Yes, every person acknowledges this. This comes within the scope of our understanding. But when we arrive at that point, a veil is dropped, and our knowledge is cut off. Were it not so, you could trace back your history to the father of our spirits in the eternal world. He is a being of the same species as ourselves. He lives as we do, except the difference that we are earthly, and he is heavenly. He had been earthly, and is of precisely the same species of being that we are. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses 4, 217, by C. Kimball declared the work of governing and propagation were both essential to begin the work of organizing this world. Every man that comes into this world is an independent being, upon the same principle that our Father and our God is independent, only he is independent to greater degree, being further advanced in perfection. He came here, and helped to organize this earth. And having had an experience in organizing earths before he came here, he was capable, and had every principle necessary to create this earth and fill it with inhabitants. If there had not been a seat of government in him, and all those powers and faculties necessary to propagate the human species, he never could have done that work. We are his sons and daughters. H. C. Kimball, Journal of Discourses 4, 334, 1. H. Robert said that man is also subject to this invariable reproduction law that applies to all of nature's species. 42. The great law of nature is that every plant, herb, fish, fowl, beast and man produces his kind. Though there may be slight variations from that law, those variations soon run out either by reverting to the original stock, or else by becoming incapable of producing offspring, and thus become extinct man's relationship to deity, contributor 10, 266, and from President John Taylor. The animal and vegetable creations are governed by certain laws, and are composed of certain elements peculiar to themselves. This applies to man, to beasts, fowls, fish, and creeping things, to the insects and to all animated nature, each one possessing its own distinct features each requiring a specific sustenance, each having an organism and faculties governed by prescribed laws to perpetuate its own kind. Mediation and Atonement, p. 154, 
It was upon this basis that Brigham Young took such a bold stand against the philosophy of Adam's formation from the dust of the ground, and he retorted, You believe Adam was made of the dust of this earth? This I do not believe, though it is supposed that it is so written in the Bible. But it is not, to my understanding. You can write that information to the stakes, if you please and dash that I have publicly declared that I do not believe that portion of the Bible as the Christian world do. I never did, and I never want to. What is the reason I do not? Because I have come to understanding, and banished from my mind all the baby stories my mother taught me when I was a child. Journal of Discourses 2, 6. To him, this is one of the baby stories, similar to the stork baby stories that we hear today. He explained the law of propagation as applicable to the origin of Adam. 43. Adam was made from the dust of an earth, but not from the dust of this earth. He was made as you and I are made, and no person was ever made upon any other principle. Journal of Discourses 3, 319. Four years later he emphatically continued to emphasize this realm of thought. And he let me stay to all philosophers of every class upon the earth. When you tell me that Father Adam was made as we make a doves from the earth, you tell me what I deem an idle tale. When you tell me that the beasts of the field were produced in that manner, you are speaking idle words devoid of meaning. There is no such thing in all the eternities, where the gods dwell. Mankind are here because they are the offspring of parents who were first brought here from another planet, and power was given them to propagate their species, and they were commanded to multiply and replenish the earth. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses 7, 285, The Apostles and Prophets, when speaking of our relationship to God, say that we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses 11, 262, and again, we have heard a great deal about Adam and Eve, how they were formed, etc., something that he was made like an adobe, and the Lord breathed into him the breath of life. For we read, From dust thou art and unto dust thou shalt return. Well, he was made from the dust of the earth but not of this earth. He was made just the same way you and I are made, but on another earth. Brigham Young, Old John Nuttall Journal, 118, 1. H. Roberts referred to this procreation law of Adam's creation on another world. 44. We are informed that the Lord God made every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb before it grew on our planet. As vegetation was created or made to grow upon some older earth, so likewise man and his helpmate were brought from some other world to our own, to people it with their children. And though it is said that that Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, in dash it by no means follows that he was formed as one might form a brick, or from the dust of this earth. We are all formed of the dust of the ground, though instead of being molded as a brick we are brought forth by the natural laws of procreation. So also was Adam and his wife in some other world. 
And as for the story of Marib, under it I believe the mystery of procreation is hidden. Contributor 10, 265. Other authorities have also taught the eternal law of procreation. We believe that we are the literal descendants of our eternal father, that we are the offspring of deity, that those aspirations which man has, and which cause him to perform the mighty works that we see on every hand as we travel throughout the earth, are inherited from our eternal father, they come to us by descent, or, to use another phrase, they are hereditary. The doctrine of heredity is manifested in the works of man. We descend from this great father who formed the earth, and who governs this universe. George Q. Cannon, Des. Weekly News, 38, 675. We believe that we are the literal offspring of deity. We have descended from the great being who formed this earth, and from him we have inherited the glorious aspirations to be like unto him. We believe in the God of Revelation, who will give more and more light to us till we can become like him. We worship the being who has revealed himself to us. It was necessary at the outset of this work to have a revelation from 45 M. There were many erroneous ideas about God, and the first revelation to Joseph Smith was the appearance of the Father and the Son. I have heard that there are some among us who say that both are one person. This is a fallacy. There are two personages, the Father and the Son. God is the being who walked in the Garden of Eden, and who talked with the prophets. This revelation came to us in certainty. George Q. Cannon, Mill. Star 51, 278. They were also instructed to plant every kind of vegetable, likewise the forest and the fruit trees, and they actually brought from heaven every variety of fruit, the seeds of flowers, and planted them in this earth on which we dwell. And I will say more, the spot chosen for the Garden of Eden was Jackson County, in the state of Missouri, where independence now stands. It was occupied in the morn of creation by Adam and his associates who came with him for the express purpose of peopling this earth. Father Adam was instructed to multiply and replenish the earth, to make it beautiful. I might say much more upon this subject, but I will ask, has it not been imitated before you in your holy endowments so that you might understand how things were in the beginning of creation and cultivation of this earth? God the Father made Adam the Lord of this creation in the beginning, and if we are the lords of this creation under Adam, ought we not to take a course to imitate our Father in heaven? The prophet Joseph frequently spoke of these things in the revelations which he gave, but the people generally did not understand them, but to those who did they were cheering, they had a tendency to gladden the heart and enlighten the mind. H. C. Kimball, Journal of Discourses 10, 235, again, from another early publication, was written. Adam was not made out of a lump of clay, as we make a brick, nor was Eve taken as a rib and dash or bone and dash from his side. 
they came by generation. Women of Mormondom, Talaj, P. 179, 46, perhaps the most logical, philosophically sound, and reasonable aspect of this doctrine is penned by the third president of the church, John Taylor. And if we take man, he is said to have been made in the image of God, and being his son, he is, of course, his offspring, an emanation from God, in whose likeness we are told he is made. He did not originate from a chaotic mass of matter, moving or inert, but came forth possessing, in an embryotic state, all the faculties and powers of the God. And when he shall be perfected, and have progressed to maturity he will be like his father and Asher God, being indeed his offspring. As the horse, the ox, the sheep and every living creature, including man, propagates its own species and perpetuates its own kind, so does God perpetuate his. Contributor 10, 267. If such a brick man had actually been created in the literal sense of an adobe, President Young explained what would have been the result. Look for instance at Adam. Listen, you Latter-day Saints. Supposing that Adam was formed actually out of clay, out of the same kind of material from which bricks are formed. That with this matter God made the pattern of a man, and breathed into it the breath of life, and left it there, in that state of supposed perfection, he would have been in adobe to this day. Journal of Discourses 2, 6. Hence, the Adobe Man, Rewoman story was a symbolical interpretation to the law of procreation. It was a story written by Moses for the children of Israel. They could not understand the context of the true doctrine of the subject, nor grasp the full enormity of the creation story, much like most ecclesiastics today. Therefore, Moses wrote it in this symbolical manner. 47. Apostle Palu P. Pratt ridiculed such a literal translation of Genesis. Man molded from the earth, as a brick. Woman, manufactured from a rib. Thus, parents still would fain conceal from budding manhood the mysteries of procreation, or the sources of life's ever-flowing river, by relating some childish tale of newborn life engendered in the hollow trunk of some old tree, or springing with spontaneous growth like mushrooms from out of the heaps of rubbish. O oh man! When wilt thou cease to be a child of knowledge? Keter Theology, p. 56. And behind the biblical story of the creation of man is also found the spiritual creation. For I, the Lord God, created all things of which I have spoken, spiritually, before they were naturally upon the face of the earth. Moses 3, 5 The scriptures abound with the doctrine of the pre-existence. It is believed by the greater portion of the earth's inhabitants, because it is so reasonable. However, pre-existence does not explain the origin of Adam's body, because pre-existence implies spiritual creation. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden, he had a physical body and ash and we asked of what kind? From the Lundison Pratt came this description. And you will fall asleep in peace, 
having made sure your salvation, and having done your duty well, like those whose funeral sermon we are preaching this morning. And thus you will fall asleep, with a full assurance that you will come up in the morning of the first resurrection, with an immortal body, like that which Adam had before he partook of the forbidden fruit. This is the promise to them that fall asleep in Jesus. Masterful Discourses, P. 346, 48. Now then, if their bodies were immortal, and, like those that come up in the morning of the first resurrection, it indicates that Adam must have previously had the resurrection. In 1967-68 the elders of the church were taught in their priesthood lesson that Adam and Eve, as immortal beings, were placed on earth and commanded to multiply and fill the earth with posterity. A light unto the world, Bruce R. McConkie, P. 4. On a subsequent page of this manual, the definition of an immortal being is described as one who dwells in a resurrected state. Accordingly, eternal life is not a name that has reference only to the unending duration of a future life. Immortality is to live forever in the resurrected state, and by the grace of God all men will gain this unending continuance of life. Ibed. P. 6. Hence, Adam and Eve, as immortal beings, were placed in the Garden of Eden in the resurrected state. This is also substantiated by Samuel Richards. Adam and Eve were made of the dust of the earth from which they came and Ashley brought their bodies with them. They had lived and died and been resurrected before they came here and they came with immortal bodies, and had to partake of the fruit of this earth in order to bring forth mortal bodies, or natural bodies, that their seed might be of the dust of this earth as they were from the dust of the earth from which they came. Journal I Book 2, 63-64, and from Brigham Young, 49, things were first created spiritually. The Father actually begot the spirits, and they were brought forth and lived with him. Then he commenced the work of creating earthly tabernacles, precisely as he has been created in the flesh himself by partaking of the coarse material that was organized and composed this earth, until his system was charged with it. Consequently the tabernacles of his children were organized from the coarse materials of this earth. Journal of Discourses 4, 218. Here then is the story of that fall. It is the doctrine of stepping from immortality into mortality. This would be the decline or the transgression of Adam, as it is called. Continuing with this interpretation, the Apostle and Pratt said, And what was the fullest extent of the penalty of Adam's transgression? I will tell you. It was death. The death of what? The death of the immortal tabernacle and dash of that tabernacle, where the seeds of death had not been, that was wisely framed, and pronounced very good. The seeds of death were introduced into it. How? And in what manner? Some say there was something in the nature of the fruit that introduced mortality. Masterful Discourses, P. 336, and again. The father and mother were at length in their garden of Eden. 
they came on purpose to fall. They fell, that man might be, that he might have joy. They ate of the tree of mortal life, partook of the elements of this earth that they might again become mortal for their children's sake. They felt that another world might have a probation, redemption and resurrection. Women of Mormondom, Tullage, p. 179, 50, Adam and Eve are the names of the fathers and mothers of worlds. Perchance the scientist might hesitate to accept the Mormon ideals of the genesis of mortals and immortals, but Joseph and Brigham have very much improved on the mosaic genesis of man. It is certainly not scientific to make Adam as a model adobe. The race has come by generation. The genesis of the hundred worlds of his family, since his day, does not suggest brickyards of mortality. The patriarchal economy of Mormonism is at least an improvement, and is decidedly epic in all its constructions and ideals. A grand patriarchal line, then, down from that, eternities, generations of worlds and generations of gods, or one universal family. Women of Mormondom, 180-81, this is consistent with reason, and it opens death to the scriptures. We were taught by the Savior to pray to our Father who is in heaven and thereby recognize the actuality of such a relationship. In 1910 the church published an article on man's beginning which literally teaches such to be the doctrine we believe. Man has descended from God, in fact, he is of the same race as the gods. His descent has not been from a lower form of life. In other words, man is in the most literal sense, a child of God. This is not only true of the spirit of man, but of his body also. Priesthood Course of Study, 1910 Subject, The Creation of Man Thus the doctrine advocated by Brigham Young exalts man's relationship with God. Man has his roots in the creation and as he is the spiritual and physical child of God. No other doctrine has ever brought the relationship between man and God any closer. No other doctrine ever revealed the contoscene, 51, son of God for his children in a more beautiful and loving manner than through the fall of Adam. This doctrine combines all the long-suffering and love of an eternal father who was willing to endure the pain and sorrow of mortality to introduce the plan of salvation to all of his sons and daughters. Through birth in spirit and body, man became the sons of God by generation. 52, chapter 5, Adam and Dash, Father of our spirits.
Okay, so for the second half of the reading, um, I'm going to be reading Chapter 4, The Law of Propagation, in Ensign to the Nation, um, Volume 3, and this is in Michael Adam, on Chapter 4, page 36. Again, it's on the law of propagation. Um, Mark is trying to join me and be on the radio show, but um, he's driving. I'm here. And... Oh, there you are. Hi. Okay. I am. A... Yeah, I was in a bad area, so I couldn't get myself to unmute in the studio. But, uh, oh, okay. yeah, we're all here now. So, Emmett. What did you guys think about that chapter? Like, I know we just listened to... Oh, and by the way, the musical stopped here in just a little bit. I actually fell asleep while I was doing the recording. And uh, I can't edit the recording once it's done, and I didn't have time to redo it. So, But I like this music. Anyway, but Emmett, what did you think about the what he was talking about, what was uh, being talked about. I wasn't really listening that much to it, because, like, I was on and off doing a bunch of other stuff, so. Oh, okay. What did you think, Tim? Um, some of it I was interested in, and um, so, like, when it we, it was talking about um, God as a scientist, that was yeah. towards the beginning, though, so it was a while ago. And I, it made, it reminded me of a conversation that you and I actually had, I can't even remember when, it was like years ago. And um, and I think I was a little bit ornery, <laughs> a little bit irritated, um, because everybody always says that it has to be science or God, science or God. And I was just like, this is so frustrating to me. How come people can't see it like normal? Like, God is a scientist. He is this, like physicist, astronomer, astrologist, like all of the things, all of the sciences, all together, all at once. Um, And so I know that some people are like, well, then you're just making science a god. And I'm like thinking, yeah, there's always going to be an excuse no matter what way everybody sees it or tries to interpret it. But if you look at things, look at the way that he is, the way that things have been, how could he not be this, like, master scientist who knows of all these elements of the, you know, universe and all of the laws of the universe? Um, when you do math, everything is about laws. When you do science, everything is about laws. You can't um, change the law. The law is the law. It's what happens. And he knows all of the laws and is able to uh, manipulate matter and... Um, be able to make the things that he has done come about. And so I feel like a lot of times when we can't explain things as human beings and we are like, it was a miracle. Um, I think it's just like a baby who has never seen a phone before. And they're like, whoa, what is this? It's a miracle. It's how we are. We're just unknowledged. Yeah. Yeah, our primitive man, when they first saw the technology of the Anglo-Saxons that came and, you know, into their culture, whether it be in uh, North, South, or South America or, or Africa or wherever, you know, like, it was magic. And 
I don't know. I just love it because God, God, well, let me tell the audience, and Kim, you've heard this before, but I was really bothered by where God was before the Big Bang. And, you know, we were taught that in schools, at least in Western culture. We're taught about the Big Bang. And I'm like, okay, well, God is eternal. He was before the Big Bang, you know, but, like, where was he? And I was just trying to wrap my mind about around this. And for years and years, I tried to make it make sense. And I asked God to help me to understand these things. And... Back in the mid-2000s, maybe it was even the early 2000s, I was taken up in the spirit, and God showed me many things. And in the beginning of this uh, experience where I was in the spirit, in this vision of the, the past, God told me to look, and I saw this great, vast cloud of light in space and I came down into the light and I saw that there were particles of light I guess that's the only way to describe them, there were orbs of light and he said look and I looked and I saw a flash of light and I saw one of these and he told me these were the intelligences and that this intelligence that I saw this flash of light come from was God the eternal father and God the eternal mother. And when they separated, they became self-aware and they became two spirits. And he taught me that in the process of time that they learned how to help others become self-aware and they learned the, the laws of the universe. And that all of the laws of the universe are as eternal as God is. And they learned how to manipulate the, the laws of the universe the, and matter and all of these things, energy. And through the process of eons of time, they learned. So when we're talking about God and the Elohim and God the Eternal Father and the race of gods and our race, because we are children of God, we're talking about individuals who have learned and that they are such an advanced technology that they are just, it's like magic to the primitive man. And we are primitive. I mean, we're beginning to understand some things, but we are so primitive compared to their technology that, you know, what they do is like magic to us, but it's not. They're just they just understand the laws of the universe and, and the energy, the, the eternal nature of energy and all of these things. And I love it. And Joseph Smith, um, he talked about these things as well. He understood these things. And I believe it was because he was taken up like I was taken up, even though we don't have a record of that, and that he was taught these things like I was taught these things. So I just love this stuff. Like when you understand and you're not just like, trying to understand things like, you know, uh, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but the ignorance of humanity and Christianity in general, and you understand that they, the gods, are an extremely advanced race of beings. This stuff, this Adam God doctrine, 
is so beautiful, and it makes me sad that it was taught by Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and John Taylor and Heber C. Kimball and Wilfred Woodruff and all of these people. And the church has let it go as they've let go of so many principles of the gospel of the restoration and that they don't understand these things anymore. But there are those of us who do understand these things. And it's not a theory. It's it's an actuality. And that when we begin to understand the nature and character of God, we begin to understand our divine potential. I love it. Love it so much. Remember when I was telling you about the Adam-God doctrine when we lived back in New Hampshire? Sam? Do you remember me telling you, shut up? <laughs> yeah, because I, I was like telling her all about this stuff. And we were, in a, we were actually driving to Maine because it was like the last state that I had never been to. And we lived in New Hampshire, so I'm like, let's go there so we can say that I've been there, whatever. So we're driving on our way from upstate New Hampshire over to Maine. And I'm like blabbing on about this. And Kim's like, finally, she's just like, shut up. Because <laughs> the spirit was speaking to you. Yeah. that's why sometimes when you just go on and on and on and you keep talking a whole bunch and I'm like, okay, quiet. (laughs) You know, what's really nice about these podcasts for the people who are listening, they can pause it when they are beginning to feel the spirit speak to them about this. And the spirit can witness to them and they don't have to hear me blabbing on about it. I mean, I do introduce people to it, but the spirit can reveal to them the truth of this doctrine that is so beautiful. Anyway, go ahead, and I will mute myself. Emmett, go ahead and mute yourself unless you have something to say. And then okay. I'll interrupt if, uh, if you ask me a question about something, Kim, or if, uh, if you, you know, feel like you think that maybe I want to say something or whatever. I'll unmute myself if I have to. So I will meet myself. Oh, by the way, I'm going to the cold terminal. So they tried to make me take a Huntington, and I was like, can somebody else take it? Because I'll break up from the phone call if if I take that load. So I got out of it. <laughs> okay. So All right. All right so I'm going to read, yep, in Ensign to the Nations, Michael Adams, Chapter 4, page 36 or 1,321, (laughs) 1,321, the law of propagation. There is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world, upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. D&C 130, verses 20 through 21. The laws of mathematics, science, and of propagation are eternal in nature, in their nature. Shortcuts by disobedience cannot produce similar results in these or any of the works of God, but it is hard to get the people to believe that God is a scientific character, that he lives by science or strict law, that by his, this he is and by law he was made that he is and will remain to all eternity because of his faithful adherence to law. It is a most difficult thing to make the people believe that. 
he is their author. Our spirits are his. He begot them. We are his children. He set the machine in motion to produce our tabernacles. End quote. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourse, Volume 13, page 306. The law of propagation is not an exception, and all living things must come forth by the law of reproduction through the seeds of its own type and kind. Plants, insects, fowls, animals, and man must reproduce their own species through obedience to these, this eternal and unchangeable law. Paul, the apostle, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 37 through 39, quote, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain, seed. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another f- flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. End quote. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 37 through 39. Species cannot be changed by interbreeding except by creating a mutation, freak, or hybrid. The Prophet Joseph Smith agreed with this when he stated in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 198, quote, God has set many signs on the earth, as well as in the heavens. For instance, the oak of the forest, the fruit of the tree, the herb of the field, all bear a sign that seed has been planted there. For it is a decree of the Lord that every tree, plant, and herb bearing seed should bring forth of its kind and cannot come forth after any other law or principle, end quote, from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 198. The footnote on the same page by Joseph Fielding Smith reads, uh, again in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 198, quote, This very positive statement by the Prophet that every tree, plant, and herb, and evidently every other creature, cannot produce except for its kind. It is in harmony not only with the scriptures, but also with all known facts in the world, end quote, from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 198. In the famous speech of 1852, Brigham Young also concurs that the origin of all vegetation upon the earth was by seed. This is from Journal of Discourse, volume 1, page 50. Quote, they, Adam and Eve, came here, organized the raw material, and arranged in their order the herbs of the field, the trees, the apple, the peach, the plum, the pear, and every other fruit that is desirable and good for man. The seed was brought from another sphere and planted in this earth. End quote from Journal of Discourse, Volume 1, page 50. Now on page 38. Brigham Young, Brigham Young's counselor, Heber C. Kimball, also agreed with this when he said in Journal of Discourse, Volume 2, page 160, Did you find the seed? No, you did not. The Lord found it. When he came here, he brought it with him, and he told his sons to sow it and let it increase. After the earth was made, then there was a garden spot selected, and the Lord commanded some of his associates to go and plant it, and to cause all kinds of vegetation to grow and fruits of every description. Some suppose the Lord commanded all these things to come out of the earth. Yes, he did. After the seeds were put in the earth, and he blessed the earth, and the vegetation that was in the earth, when all these things were done, the garden was beautified and made pure and clean and holy and sanctified. And then the next thing was to bring forth the animal creation, 
but the animals were not brought there until some vegetation was planted and grown. We often sing, This earth was once a garden place where God our Father dwelt and took possession and a stand that mankind will take to attain to honor, to that honor. The religion of Jesus Christ, of angels, of Brigham, and of all good men is to take care and take care of and improve and adorn the earth as good men Oh, I'm sorry. And adorn the earth as Adam did. When he planted the garden, he planted it with seeds. He brought it with him, and he also brought the animals from the earth that he lived upon, where his father dwelt. End quote from Journal of Discourse, Volume 8, page 243. Did God produce us? He did, and every son and daughter of Adam upon this earth, and he produced us upon the same principle that we produce one another. And so it is with the fruit of creation. Journal of Discourse, Volume 6, page 101. President Brigham Young was positive of this, and he emphasized this law so that no one would mistake this meaning or intent. Page 39. And Journal of Discourse, Volume 11, page 122, quote, God has made his children like himself to stand erect and has endowed them with intelligence and power and dominion over all his works and given them the same attributes which he himself possesses. He created man as we create our own children, for there is no other process of creation in heaven, on the earth, in the earth, or under the earth, or in all the eternities that is, that were, or ever will be. End quote. Journal Discourse, Volume 11, page 122. The Prophet Joseph Smith expounded this principle, also establishing man's eternal conformity to his law of propagation. If Abraham reasoned thus, if Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and John discovered that God the Father of Jesus Christ had a father, you may suppose that he had a father also. Where was there ever a son without a father? And where was there ever a father without first being a son? Whenever did a tree or anything spring into existence without a, pro- a progenitor? And everything comes in this way. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 373. Hugh Nibley, through his research and reasoning, came to the same conclusion. Quote, We find throughout the cosmos an infinity of dwelling places. Propoi, either occupied or awaiting tenants. These are colonized by migrants from previously established supposes, or worlds, all going back ultimately to a single original center. The colonizing process is called planting, and those spirits which bring their treasures to a new world are called plants, more rarely seeds of their father or planter in another world. Every planting goes out from a treasure house, either as the essential material elements or as the colonizers themselves, who come from a sort of mastering or mustering area called the treasure house, either as the essential material elements or as the colonizers themselves, who come from a sort of mustering area called the treasure house of the souls. With its planting completed, a new world is in business. A new treasury has been established from which new sparks may go forth. It's in all directions to start the process anew in ever new spaces. God was every man, wants every man, to plant a planting. 
Nay, he has promised that those who keep his law may also become creators of worlds. But keeping that law requires following the divine pattern in every point and taking the treasure to a new world. The sent one, who follows hard on the heels of the colonists, seeks nothing so much as complete identity with the one who sent him. Hence, from first to last, one mind alone dominates the whole boundless complex because each planting is completely dependent on its treasure house or home base. The system never breaks up into independent systems. In this patriarchal order, all remains forever identified with the Father from whom it all ultimately come forth. End quote from Nibley on the Timely and the Timeless, Hugh Nibley, page 60. Did you have something to say? I can hear your mic's unmuted. Yeah, I unmute my mic so that eventually you'll let me speak, but I don't want to interrupt you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I did want to say a couple of things. Okay, so Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. That's in Revelation chapter 1. Brigham Young, he was taught these things by Joseph Smith, and Joseph Smith taught these principles while he was alive. Uh, and we'll get into the different quotes and stuff from Joseph Smith, but I don't think Brigham Young really understood how we become children of our father. So I wanted to go over that real quick. Um, Now, to understand these things, you have to understand that um, when it says that the gods created the earth and then we go back to the temple endowment, we know that the Elohim, the council of the gods, sent Jehovah and told him to take Michael to create this earth and that they, the gods, Jehovah and Michael created this earth. Michael being the father, or Joseph Smith called him God the creator, the father. Um, You know, he was the one that did the work uh, under the direction of Jehovah or Jehovah our Elohim, who is not Jesus Christ. And I've talked about that before. Ether chapter 3 shows that. Jesus and Jehovah are two separate individuals and that one had a body and appeared before the flood to many but Jesus says I don't have a body and he had never appeared to anyone before that point anyway so I'll just get into that real quickly for people who have never heard this before um, but um, Joseph Smith also taught uh, multiple mortal probations in the lecture at the Grove which was um, uh, the last lecture that Joseph Smith gave, um, and he didn't finish it, but he gave us enough to understand what multiple mortal probations, and God showed me one that there was a great secret that when we're resurrected, unless we're exalted, we're damned in that state of resurrection, but we have the opportunity when a new earth is created, like the earth that is spoken of by John the revelator in the book of revelations when he says a new heaven and a new earth was created that we have the opportunity to put off our resurrection and go back onto another planet now with that being said how do we become the children of michael well michael was a savior on an older earth and he went through a garden of gethsemane type experience he paid for the sins of that older earth and he filled his blood upon uh, crucifixion or whatever it was that they did, or that he did on that earth, like Jesus did on this earth. 
Jesus paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we were bought with the price of his blood, and he becomes our father, Jesus does, through the law of adoption because he paid for our sins. We become his children. That's how he is, the father and the son, but he has a father above him. Like Revelations chapter 1, he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father, showing a level of, you know, many gods. I think, oh, um, are you, is there a, oh, that's part of the recording. Okay. <laughs> Hold yeah, on. that's It'll part of the recording of your alarm. <laughs> yeah, that was me waking up going, oh, uh, I fell asleep. Oops. And I was trying to figure out where in the world the alarm was coming from. It took a minute. It took me a minute. (laughs) But anyway, so Adam, so uh, hold on. I'm on wash plane, so I think it's going to break up real quick. But it it doesn't take long for me to climb this hill. Okay. Well, I can continue reading a little bit longer than you can say what you were going to say. Just continuing on, it says, this principle strikes at the foundation of the brick creation philosophy of Adam. The modern concept of religious thinking is willing to give Jesus a mother, but not a literal father. And under the same peculiar quirk, they may contribute a father to Adam, but not a mother. This famous sermon of President Brigham Young clearly announced that Adam had a mother and Jesus had a father. He was striking a preponderant blow at the traditions, superstitions, and hallowed famous tales of philosophizing or philosophizing, <laughs> I can't even say it, philosophizing on the subject. It's philosophizing, that's what it is, sorry, of Adam's <laughs> beginning. It's hard to say that word, say it ten times fast, philosophizing, philosophizing. <laughs> what a weird yep. word. Anyways, you were saying? Okay, so, um, so Michael, who became Adam, when he took upon himself the name of God, the Eternal Father, um, he came down upon this earth after he helped create it, or he actually was the one that did the creating. Um, But yeah, he had a mother and a father on an older earth. And if you understand multiple mortal probations, you understand that he actually had many mothers and fathers throughout um, eternities of time. But so he as an exalted man came on this earth with one of his wives who was named Hava, or well, her name was Ashura, but she took upon herself the name of God, the Eternal Mother, who is Hava, but for some reason we call her Eve. I don't even know why. Her name was Hava. In Hebrew, it's Hava. Anyway, but um, they were exalted beings when they came into the garden, and the only way you get exalted is to go through, well, he was, he was, uh, he did the same thing that Jesus did. When Jesus says, I do nothing except for what I've seen the Father do, Jesus was doing exactly what the Father did. The Father being Michael, our Father through the law of adoption. See, when Jesus paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane, Michael paid for our sins on an older earth 
in a Garden of Gethsemane type experience. And we became him, his spiritually through the law of adoption the same way that we become Jesus's through the law of adoption and, he, and Jesus becomes our father. Same way the Michael, Michael became our father, but Michael became our father spiritually on that older earth, but then he became our father physically on this earth. The same way that we will become Jesus's children physically on an older or on a on on an earth that has not yet been created, the one that John saw in the book of Revelations. But we are his children spiritually through the law of adoption if we take hold of his sacrifice for for us, uh, the atonement and all of that. So. Anyway, um, but I don't think, like a lot of Mormons believe um, that, that Jesus, or that when we're exalted, we're going to have a planet. And yeah, that was actually taught. Uh, I know that they say, oh, we never taught that, but they're so full of crap. That's one of the many things that they've, they've let go of. But um, a lot of people think, oh, we're going to be having celestial sex. That's not how spirits are created. Spirits come from intelligence. When, this, when the intelligence becomes self-aware, it separates into one female and one male. And in order for them to begin the nature of eternal life, which the intelligence had before it was self-aware, they must be, as, um, one male and one female must be sealed by the law, um, what is it called, the, the Holy, by the Holy Spirit of promise. And that's why celestial marriage is so important. One man to one female, of course, if there's more righteous elect females who qualify, then you're going to have um, polygamy, which I know a lot of people don't want to talk about these days. Um, but that's that's why polygamy is even acceptable. Um, if there was an equal number of males and females, it wouldn't be necessary. So anyway, but a lot of people like, and I don't think Brigham Young understood how we become the children of God. He didn't beget us in a way where we were created in a sexual way as spirit children. And um, that's not how men and women who are exalted create children. It's by the atonement that we become the children of God. But there's another process for the intelligences to become self-aware. It has nothing to do with carnal nature. Anyway, so I just wanted to, uh, to add my insight. And that I learned all of this through that same huge vision that God gave me back so many years ago. So anyway, I'll mute myself. I'm at the spur. Okay. Are you there? Um, by the way, yep. Can you hear me? Yep. Hello? Okay. Um, so, by the way, how's the headset? <laughs> can you hear me? <laughs> okay. Let yeah, me I can hear you fine. Hmm. And the music is turned off finally. Which will be easier for me. My brain listens to both at the same time and I stutter. <sighs> oh. I know it's weird. <laughs> it's hard for me. <laughs> Just so distracted. You're doing okay. good. You actually read Thanks. way better than me. Thank you. But I <laughs> was thinking about the reader program, and I mean, I like the accent. It's kind of cool. In fact, I would 
love to read it in a weird accent like that would be so great. But um, <laughs> some of the things when they're reading the, like, the references and stuff, when he's like, Q Nibley, P, 60. And I'm always like, oh, my gosh, because he just says it like that every time. And I'm like, that's a little annoying. Anyways, <laughs> tangent. Okay, I'll continue reading. Uh, we're going to start okay. off with the Brigham Young quote, Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 286. Brother Kimball quoted a saying of Joseph Smith, the prophet, that he would not worship a god who had not a father. And I do not know that he would if he had not a mother. The one would be as absurd as the other. End quote. Again, that's Brigham Young Journal Discourse, Volume 9, page 286. And now we're on page 41. We have learned that God is our father and that we are his children. Bonafide his children. Not a spiritual sense alone, but when we say our father who art in heaven, we mean just what we say. End quote. From Daniel H. Wells, Journal Discourse, Volume 16, page 127. This next quote is from Journal of Discourse, Volume 4, page 217, by Brigham Young. Quote, Thus you may continue and trace the human family back to Adam and Eve, and ask, Are we of the same species with Adam and Eve? Yes, every person acknowledges this. This comes within the scope of our understanding. But when we arrive at the point, a veil is dropped, and our knowledge is cut off. Were it not so, you could trace back your history to the father of our spirits in the eternal world. He is a being of the same species as ourselves. He lives as we do, except the difference that we are earthly and he is heavenly. He had been earthly and is of precisely the same species of being that we are. End quote. Again, from Brigham Young Journal Discourse, Volume 4, page 217. Heber C. Kimball declared the work of the governing and propagation were both essential to begin the work of organizing this world. From H.C. Kimball, Journal Discourse, Volume 4, page 334, quote, Every man that comes into this world is an independent being, upon the same principle that our Father and our God is independent, only he is independent to a greater degree, being further advanced in perfection. He came here and helped to organize this earth, and having had an experience in organizing before he came here, he was capable and had every principle necessary to create this earth and fill it with the inhabitants. If there had not been a seat of government in him, he and all those other powers and, fa and faculties necessary to propagate the human species, he never could have done that work. We are his sons and daughters. End quote from Heber C. Kimball, Journal Discourse, Volume 4, page 334. B.H. Roberts said that man is also subject to this invariable reproduction, reproduction law that applies to all of nature's species, page 42. The great law of nature is that every plant, herb, fish, fowl, beast, and man produces his kind. Though there may be a slight variation from that law, those variations soon run out either by reverting to the original stock or else by becoming incapable of producing offspring and thus become extinct. End quote. Man's Relationship to Deity, Contributor, Volume 10, page 266. And from President John Taylor in Mediation and the Atonement, page 154, quote, 
The animal and vegetable creations are governed by certain laws and are composed of certain elements peculiar, peculiar to themselves. This applies to man, to beast, fowls, fish, and creeping things, to the insects, and to all animated nature, each one possessing its own distinct features, each requiring a specific sustenance, each having an organism and faculties governed by prescribed laws that perpetuate its own kind, end quote. That is from Mediation and Atonement, page 154. It was upon this basis that Brigham Young took such a bold stand against the philosophy of Adam's fornication from the dust of the ground. And he retorted in Journal of Discourse, Volume 2, page 6, quote, You believe Adam was made of the dust of this earth. This I do not believe. Though it is supposed that it is so written in the Bible, but it is not my understanding. You can write that information to the stakes, if you please, that I have publicly declared that I do not believe that portion of the Bible as Christian, the Christian world do. I never did. I never want to. What is the reason I do not? Because I have come to the understanding and banished from my mind all the baby stories my mother taught me when I was a child. End quote. Journal Discourse, Volume 2, page 6. To him, this one of the baby stories, similar to the stork baby stories that we hear today. He explained the law of propagation as applicable to the origin of Adam. We're now on page 43. In Journal of Discourse, Volume 3, page 319, quote, Adam was made from the dust of the earth, but not from the dust of this earth. He was made as you and I are made, and no person was ever made upon any other principle. End quote. From Journal of Discourse, Volume 3, page 319. Four years later, he emphatically continued to emphasize this realm of thought. In Brigham Young says in Journal of Discourse, Volume 7, page 285, quote, And here let me state to all philosophers of every class upon the earth, when you tell me that the Father Adam was made as we make adobes from the earth, you tell me what I deem an idle tale. When you tell me that the beasts of the field were produced in that manner, you are speaking idle words devoid of meaning. There is no such thing in all the eternities where God, the gods dwell. Mankind are here because they are the offspring of parents who were first brought here from another planet. And power was given them to propagate their species. And they were commanded to multiply and replenish the earth. End quote from Brigham Young Journal of Discourse, Volume 7, page 285. The apostles and prophets, when speaking of our relationship to God, say that we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourse, Volume 11, page 262. And again, let's see, this was Brigham Young, L. John Nettle, Journal, Volume 1, page 18, quote, We have heard a great deal about Adam and Eve, how they were formed, etc., Some think that he was made like an adobe, and the Lord breathed into him the breath of life. For we read, from dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Well, he was made from the dust of the earth, but not of this earth. He was made just the same way you and I are made, but on another earth. End quote. Brigham Young, John L. Nettle, or L. John Nettle, excuse me, Journal Discourse. Oh, no, sorry, that's L. John Nettle Journal, Volume 1, page 18. B.H. Roberts referred to this procreation law of Adam's creation on another world. 
And this quote is from the contributor, volume 11, page 265, and we're now on page 44. Quote, we are informed that the Lord God made every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb before it grew in our planet. As the vegetation was created or made to grow upon some older earth, so likewise man and his helpmate were brought from some other world to our own, to people it with their children. And though it is said that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, it by no means follows that he was formed as one might form a brick or from the dust of this earth. We are all formed of the dust of the ground, though instead of being molded as a brick, we are brought forth by the natural laws of procreation. So also was Adam and his wife in some other world. And as for the story of the rib, under it, I believe the mystery of procreation is hidden. End quote. From the contributor, volume 10, page 265. Other authorities have also taught the eternal law of procreation. We believe that we are the literal descendants of our eternal father, that we are the offspring of deity, that those aspirations which man has and which cause him to perform the mighty works that we see on every hand as we travel throughout the earth are inherited from our eternal father. They come to us by descent or to use another phrase, they are hereditary. The doctrine of heredity, heredity, heredity is manifested in the works of man. We descend from this great father who formed the earth and who governs this universe. End quote from George Q. Cannon, Deseret Weekly News, volume 38, page 675. We believe that we are the literal offspring of deity. We have descended from the great being who formed this earth and from him, we have inherited the glorious aspirations to be like unto him. We believe in a God of revelation who will give more and more light to us till we can become like him. We worship the being who has revealed himself to us. It was necessary at that outset of this work to have a revelation from him. Page 45. There were many erroneous ideas about God. And the first revelation to Joseph Smith was the appearance of the father and the son. I have heard that there are some among us who say that both are one person. This is a, fall, a fallacy. There are two personages, the father and the son. God is the being who walked in the Garden of Eden and who talked with the prophets. This revelation came to us in certainty. End quote from George Crew Cannon, Millennial Star, Volume 51, page 278. They were also instructed to plant every kind of vegetable, likewise the forest and the fruit trees, and they actually brought from heaven every variety of fruit, the seeds of flowers, and planted them in this earth on which we dwell. And I will say more, the spot chosen for the Garden of Eden was Jackson County in the state of Missouri, where independence now stands. It was occupied in the morn of creation by Adam and his associates who came with him for the express purpose of peopling this earth. Father Adam was instructed to multiply and replenish the earth, to make it beautiful. I may say much more on this subject, but I will ask, has it not been imitated before you and your holy endowments so that you might understand how things were in the beginning of the creation and cultivation of this earth? God the Father made Adam the Lord of this creation in the beginning, and if we are 
the lords of this creation under Adam, ought we not to take a course to imitate our Father in heaven? The prophet Joseph frequently spoke of these things in the revelations which he gave, but the people generally did not understand them. But to those who did, they were cheering. They had a tendency to gladen, gladden the heart and enlighten the mind. Heber C. Kimbrell, Journal of Discourse, Volume 10, page 235. And you have something to say? <laughs> um, are you at the end of a page, or do you? Or will you be able to keep your spiral Almost. easy? Yep. Okay, just finish, finish the page and finish the quote, and then we have a caller who has a question. Okay. Again, from another early publication was written, Adam, was, it was written, this is from Women of Mormondom, Tullage, page 179. Adam was not made out of a lump of clay, as we make a brick, nor was Eve taken as a rib, a bone from his side. They come by generation. End quote. Again, from Women of Mormondom, Tillage, page 179. Now we're on page 46. So go ahead. Okay. Um, caller from area code 843, can you please state your name, your first name only, and where you're calling from? And hold on, I'm trying to unmute it. Okay, there uh, you yes. go. Uh, yeah. My name is Zachary. I'm calling from uh, West Virginia. Okay, welcome. What okay, sir, I, I have two questions. Uh, well, I, it, it's possibly two, depending on your answer. Uh, first of all, I'd like to, you know, say thank you for, uh, you know, spreading the word of Jesus Christ. You know, there's many debates and, you know, denominations, but I appreciate what you're doing. I think you're making the, the nation a better place. Um, but I would like to ask you, because um, I'm not really familiar with Mormonism, but do you believe, like, in, you know, the crucifixion? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about earlier on the show, um, we believe that Jesus Christ paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane and that he sealed that upon the cross at the crucifixion. So, yes. Okay, okay. So, I mean, in, in, I, I'm not meaning this to be argumentative at all. Um, mm-hmm. If Jesus... If Jesus did die for our sins, why do you need, you know, a works-based salvation? Oh, brother. Uh, I um, – okay, so Jesus taught completely out of the Tanakh or the Old Testament, right? Like there was no New Testament when he was teaching, and he was teaching yeah, us how to live. He lived. He lived as an example of how we should live. He said, I do not come to do away with one jot or tittle of the law or the Torah. Uh, Torah in Hebrew means instructions, the instructions God gave to Moses on Mount Horeb, I think. Um, anyway, so... Well, well, I mean, that's, 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 that's wrong. I mean, he says he, says, he says he didn't come to you know, get rid of the, the law. He says the law. Yeah. Um, but he also does say that rituals and, and, and works are to be done away with. He, he said this to the woman in Samaria. Samaria, you know, you know, he 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 said this on the cross. You know, it is it is finished. There was no, no. more reason to do. Work. He said he came to fulfill the law, and in Hebrew understanding, fulfill means to live live completely perfectly. So, okay, so he well, came as, okay, so he what, came what, as an. What, what is the point of Jesus of Jesus Christ? teachings in the New Testament 
like all of the okay, stuff well, all the okay, way up to the cross. Well, what was the point of all of that if we are not to follow to his instructions? No, 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 no. It's it's to be good people. It's to be good people, the best people we can be. But if you think that, you know, why does he get – I mean, what was the point of his – you asked me what's the point of his teaching. What's the point of his crucifixion? If his blood doesn't give us redemption, what's the point of his well, crucifixion? But James, James, the book of James talks about work, uh, works-based salvation. Uh, Paul uh, – well, um, Peter said that Paul was greatly misunderstood and, and hard to understand. People will take the words of Paul, who was actually not a disciple during the life of Christ, and they twist those words into this faith-based grace salvation, and it's both. It's can, work can and it's faith. Can, can, uh, grace. Can, can I ask yes, you a question? Can I ask, can, uh-huh. uh, this, will get, this will get kind of personal, but I'd like to ask you a question. Um, okay. Do you ever, you know, have bad thoughts? Okay, you're not going to pull the Kirk... Uh, whatever his face is thing on me. Every single one no, of no, us I'll... has fallen. Hold on. Exactly. Hold that's on. why we that's why Hold we need on. the blood of Jesus. Just chill out for a second. Okay, so okay. the 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 law was given to us and they had a sacrifice uh, sacrificial system wherein they could bring a sacrifice to the altar for the forgiveness of intentional sins and for the forgiveness of in, unintentional sins. And Jesus Christ was the lamb that paid for all of our sins. So, yeah, we are exactly. all completely not even worthy. Isaiah says that all of our righteousness is a, dirt, a dirty, filthy menstruation rags. Okay, that's us. So, 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 but Jesus so, Christ so ritual, came to pay ritual, for our wait, sins. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're, you're bringing up a lot of, like, topics in, like, a, a, a short succession. So... If Jesus was the ritualistic, you know, lamb, you know, you know, because back in the day, you know, rituals, you know, and sacrifices were done to to cleanse the body and cleanse the soul. So if Jesus was the sacrificial lamb, why do you need anything else? If you believe Jesus was the Son of God, if you believe, you know, in His crucifixion, if you believe His blood washes away sin, why do you need anything else? It's finished. The, the covenant is fulfilled. No, we don't he have to fulfilled work. it. He fulfilled the the required sacrifice so that we could receive the atonement and be forgiven of our sins. But we still have laws that God uh, expects us to live by. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what were his commandments? He's the one, you the see. angel of Jehovah, that gave the commandments on Mount Sinai or Horeb, whatever, whichever one it was. You should definitely, you should definitely keep the, you should keep the commandments as close as you as possible. I totally agree with you. You can't be like, mm-hmm. you know, a total like degenerate and just, you know, say, oh, well, I believe in Jesus. I, I don't believe that. That that's crazy. But mm-hmm. you don't need another Messiah. You don't need another Messiah. You don't need another prophet. Jesus, you know, was, that was the final deal, man. All you need. Okay, is well, a, in the book of Romans, it talks about the deliverer of, uh, and it talks about a future deliverer that would come that would be a prophet. Also. In the book of Revelations, chapter 11, it speaks of, uh, speaks of two prophets that come in the streets of Jerusalem in the last days. Furthermore, in Ephesians yeah, chapter that's, 4, that's, it that's, says, that's, God, that's, hath that's, made that's, us kings, God hath made us kings and priests unto God. Uh, or no, uh, hold on. Ephesians chapter 4, it says that, um, that there are certain offices in the church which 
part of that, the last two are apostles and prophets until all come in the unity of the faith. We are not all in the it's unity of the faith. It's, in order to understand the scriptures and get the correct interpretation of scripture, we have to do as James chapter 1 verse 5 directs and go to God and get revelation from him, thus making us prophets. Because we get the interpretation of God from God by revelation, not from some man in a pulpit who pretends to speak the word of God. So, yeah, we have okay. to all be okay. prophets. Yeah, 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 the prophets you, were not done away with. Okay. Neither were our okay. prophets. Okay. No, no. G- Jesus also says, beware of those who come speaking in my name who call themselves prophets. And that's in Matthew. So, but well, yeah, also, you, you do know, have to. And also, Paul said to Timothy that we have to try the spirits, for thereby many, uh, many false spirits have gone out, or many false prophets have okay. gone out. So you have to okay. take it to God no, and get revelation wait, from wait, wait, him wait. to make sure that what you are believing is true. You can't rely do upon the flesh. Do you, do, you love, do you love Jesus Christ? Of course I do. Why do you, then why do you know the Book of Mormon better than you know the Bible? I haven't quoted one time from the Book of Mormon tonight. I was a Baptist before I became a Mormon. I have not quoted the Book of Mormon one time, and the reason why no, I no, I'm do not that saying you quoted is because but you've misquoted you've misquoted the Bible like three times in like five minutes. So I mean, so evidently you know the Book of Mormon more than you know well, the Bible. Because I don't know if you, you know this. I don't know if I don't know if you know this or not, but I am a semi truck driver. My wife is reading for me right now. Yeah. I'm actually driving That's a semi truck, so I'm not flipping the scriptures. All of that stuff is out of my memory. So if I misquote something, I'm sorry. I'm so you, human. So you, so you, but love, you so know you love that Joseph just Smith more than Jesus. So you love no, Joseph Smith love more Joseph. than Jesus. Did, G, did Joseph um, Smith pay for I, my sins? Can I interject for just a minute? Yes, and I'll be quiet. Yes, you this can. Is, this is um, – so this is turning more into um, you're attacking him instead of well, yeah, um, a learning not, experience for anyone. Christian. Um, excuse me. I wasn't done. Um, okay. And so no one's women, really women learning if you're preach. attacking him. And also you are – you are very much contentious right now. And – you okay, are I muted also... him. He's not going to speak over Thank me you. or my wife. I will unmute okay. you in a minute when you get done speaking or whatever. Yeah, anyway, but it's ahead. really counterintuitive because um, he's accusing you of things he has no knowledge of. So yeah. um, there, w- there was nothing being said about the Book of Mormon or Joseph Smith or other. It's just well, a pure hatred for... Well, because he has a preconceived for... agenda, right. which he thinks that he is going to come on, and I don't even know what his goal yeah. is. So, anyways, that's counterintuitive to what we are reading. But if he had a sincere question, there's millions of other ways for him to get a hold of you, and then um, I don't have to sit here and listen to him um, falsely accuse you of things. Yeah. Oh, and for the individual that is, uh, that is calling in tonight, in the earliest manuscripts of the Bible, there is nowhere found where women have to be silent in the churches. That was added 300 years after Christ came. It is not in the earliest manuscripts. And he was talking about how he'd rather just talk to me and not my wife. And I think this individual has actually called in before. By the way, I'm not going to unmute yeah. you because I'm done with you. But... You go back and read your Bible, and then you go back and study the, the 
differences in the earliest manuscripts and the differences in the different translations. And then you ask, you tell me why we don't need revelation to understand the word of God, because the interpretation of scripture is not for your own private interpretation. The interpretation of scripture is only God's, and the only way you get that interpretation is to get revelation from God, which means that you must be a prophet. So this whole idea that you don't need prophets anymore, you do need prophets. And the fact of the matter is, in Romans it says that there will be a prophet in the last days who will come to redeem the people. And, and that's not a spiritual redemption, but also in the book of Revelations chapter 11, it says that there will be two prophets that come in the last days who testify to the people, and they are prophets. So there's two examples of prophets in the last days. Furthermore, what I was saying in Ephesians chapter 4 um, there are different offices uh, in the church, two of them being prophets and apostles until we all come in the unity of the faith, and we have not come in the unity of the faith, which is obvious by this man coming on and attacking me because I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet, and Joseph taught that we can all become prophets and that we shouldn't trust in the flesh, which is actually spoken of many times in the scriptures, both in the Bible the Old Testament, New Testament, and in the Book of Mormon, and in the Doctrine and Covenants, that we have to get revelation for ourselves, which is James chapter 1, verse 5. If you lack wisdom, get, uh, ask God, and he will give it to you. He will give you revelation to know the truth, so that you do not have to be led astray by apostate Christianity or apostate Mormons, because I don't know if the, uh, the listener understands this either, but I am not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or any other church. I am a prophet who has seen God face to face, and I know you'll flip out about that too, but that's what you get when you believe all of your apostate creeds and all of your apostate doctrines of apostate Christianity. And the whole, uh, the whole reason for Joseph Smith was to come to restore the truth of God after it had been corrupted by apostate Christianity. If you know anything about your history as a Christian, you'd know that your church went through the Roman Catholic Church, and a lot of the false traditions that you believe are still, uh, you know, that came out of that, that church, even in your Protestantism. So anyway, I'm not going to bring them back on. Kim, go ahead. I'm going to mute myself. And um, I am grateful for this person coming on because then I can shoot him down to his ears, I guess. And you know what? Jesus, he let the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees speak with their apostasy, and then he shot him down. And so I'm glad when people call in and try to make a show of whatever it is, and, uh, and then I can shoot him down, which I have colors. done. What's that? Yeah. They just they just show their true colors because they come under the yeah. false pretense that I just have a question and no disrespect in all of the things until oh, it yeah. becomes uh, you believe this and you believe that and you believe this and you you put this over God when yeah. actually well this individual you has don't never know. even listened to any of these programs other than the other programs that he's called into before he doesn't study Mormonism he has stu- he studies what his apostate pastors and ministers tell him Mormonism believes. But I got news for you, guy. The reason why there's so many different churches and so many different doctrines is because people don't test the spirits. 
and many false teachers have gone out into the world, and that's why you've got so many false religions out there. And that's why you need to get revelation from God, which requires you to become a prophet of God. You have to go and get the information for yourself. Joseph Smith came to restore the truth of the, restor- uh, the, truth of the gospel through the restoration that is spoken of in your Bible. But you don't know your Bible well enough to know that that is actually something that was prophesied to happen in the last days. So uh, one last thing before I, I end. John saw an angel would come from the throne of God, from the midst of heaven in the last days, crying with a loud voice saying, Repent you, repent you, the day of the Lord is at hand. What other angel came and delivered the gospel to a prophet than the angel Moroni who gave it to Joseph Smith? You can't tell me because you reject the truth. And all they who believe, uh, believe a lie receive strong delusion, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that they all might be damned because they do not love the truth, which you, sir, do not love the truth. Anyway, I'll mute myself. Okay, continuing on page 46 in, in Signs of the Nations. Perhaps the most logical, philosophically sound, and reasonable aspect of this doctrine is penned by the third president of the church, John Taylor. This is from Contributor, volume 10, page 267, quote, And if we take man, he is said to have been made in the image of God, and being his son, he is, of course, his offspring, an emanation from God, whose likeness we are told he is made. He did not originate from a chaotic mass of matter, moving or inert, but came forth possessing an embryotic state, all the faculties and powers of a god. And when he shall be perfected and have progressed to maturity, he will be like his father, a god, being indeed his offspring. And the horse, the ox, the sheep, and every living creature, including man, propagates its own species and perpetuates its own kind. So does God perpetuate his End quote. Contributor, volume 10, page 267. If, if such a brick man had actually been created in the literal sense of an adobe, President, President Young explained that what would have been the result. This is Journal of Discourse, volume 2, page 6. Quote, look for instance at Adam. Listen, ye Latter-day Saints, supposing that Adam was formed actually out of clay, out of the same kind of material from which bricks are formed, that with this matter God made the pattern of a man and breathed into it the breath of life and left it there in that state of supposed perfection. He would have been an adobe to this day, end quote. Hence, the adobe man, ribbed woman story was a symbolical interpretation of the law of procreation. It was a story written by Moses for the children of Israel. They could not understand the context of the true doctrine of the subject, nor grasp the full enormity of the creation story, much like most ecclesiastics today. Therefore, Moses wrote it in the symbolical manner. Page 47. Apostle Parley P. Pratt ridiculed such a literal transgression, or I'm sorry, a literal translation of Genesis. Man molded from the earth as a brick, woman manufactured from a rib. Thus, parents still would fain conceal from budding manhood the mysteries of procreation or the sources of life's ever-flowing river by relating some childish tale of newborn life. Endangered in the hollow trunk of some old tree, or 
springing with spontaneous growth like mushrooms from out of heaps of rubbish. O man, when wilt thou cease to be a child of knowledge? End quote from Key to Theology, page 56. And behind the biblical story of the creation of man is also found the spiritual creation. For I, the Lord God, created all things of which I have spoken spiritually, for they were naturally upon the face of the earth. That's Moses chapter 3, verse 5. The scriptures abound with the doctrine of the preexistence. It is believed by the greater portion of the earth's inhabitants because it is so reasonable. However, preexistence does not explain the origin of Adam's body because preexistence implies spiritual creation. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden, he had a physical body, and we asked of what kind. From the learned Orson Pratt came this description. And you will fall asleep in peace, having made sure your salvation and having done your duty well, like those whose funeral service, funeral sermon we are preaching this morning, and thus you will fall asleep with a full assurance that you will come up in the morning of the first resurrection with an immortal body like that which Adam had before he partook of the forbidden fruit. This is the promise to them that fall asleep in Jesus. End quote. From Masterful Discourses, page 346. Now we're on page 48. 48, did you have anything to say? That was also in the uh, reading only, before this. <laughs> I was actually just going to say, like, that guy comes on and he, like, says that I'm, I love the, Bi- or the Book of Mormon more than I love the Bible and I love Jesus or Joseph Smith more than I love Jesus Christ, which he accuses me falsely because I did nothing but talk about Jesus Christ and the Bible when he was speaking because I knew he was a Christian. But all he was doing was proving himself to be the son of the accuser because he was doing the same thing his father did. And his father, Hasatan, is the accuser of the brethren, which was exactly what that individual was doing. So anyway, I I need to let it go. So I'm going to mute myself. How many pages do you have left? I am almost finished. Okay, I'll let you go. I'll <laughs> let you go ahead. I'll mute myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and also, I know that it's hard to let things go when people accuse you of things, but um, you don't have to stoop to his level. Nobody does because we are not of the same being, supposedly. Um well, we don't serve the same master, I should say. Um, and he knows you not, just like he does not know his father, the creator. End quote from me. Okay, page 48. <laughs> now then, if their bodies were immortal, and like those that come up in the morning of the first resurrection, it indicates that Adam must have previously had a resurrection. In 1967 and 68, the elders of the church were taught in their priesthood lesson that this comes from A Light Unto the World, Bruce R. McConkie, page 4. Adam and Eve, as immortal beings, were placed on the earth and commanded to multiply and fill the earth with posterity. End quote. Again, that's from A Light Unto the World, Bruce R. McConkie, page 4. On the subsequent page of this manual, the definition of an immortal being is described as one who dwells in a resurrected state. This is also from A Light Unto the World by Bruce R. McConkie, page 6. Accordingly, Eternal life is not a name that has reference only to the unending duration of a future life. Immortality is to live forever in the resurrected state 
and by the grace of God, all men will gain this unending continuance of life, end quote. Again, from A Light Unto the World by Bruce R. McConkie, page six. Hence, Adam and Eve, as immortal beings, were placed in the Garden of Eden in a resurrected state. This is also substantiated by Samuel Richards in Journal 1, Book 2, page 300, or page 6, or I'm sorry, page 63 and 64. Quote, Adam and Eve were made of the dust of the earth from which they came. They brought their bodies with them. They had lived and died and been resurrected before they came here, and they came with immortal bodies and had to partake of the fruit of this earth in order to bring forth mortal bodies or natural bodies that their seed might be of the dust of this earth as they were from the dust of the earth from which they came. End quote. Journal 1, book 2, page 63 through 64. And from Brigham Young, page 49, General Discourse, Volume 4, page 218, quote, Things were first created spiritually. The Father actually begot the spirits, and they were brought forth and lived with him. Then he commenced the work of creating earthly tabernacles precisely as he had been created in the flesh himself, by partaking of the coarse material that was organized and composed this earth until his system was charged with it. Consequently, the tabernacles of his children were organized from the coarse materials of this earth. End quote from Journal of Discourse, Volume 4, page 218. Here, then, is the story of the fall. It is the doctrine of stepping from immortality to mortality. This would be the decline or the transgression of Adam, as it is called. Continuing with this interpretation, the Apostle Orson Pratt said in Masterful Discourses, page 336, quote, And what was the fullest extent of the penalty of Adam's transgression? I will tell you. It was death. The death of what? The death of the immortal tabernacle, of the tabernacle where the seeds of death had not been, that was wisely framed and pronounced very good. The seeds of death were introduced unto, into it. How and in what manner? Some say there was something in the nature of the fruit that introduced mortality. Masterful Discourses, page 336. And again, uh, in Women of the Mormondom, Woman of Mormondom, by Tullage, page 179, quote, The father and mother were at length in their Garden of Eden. They came on purpose to, to fall. They fell, that man might be, that he might have joy, that they ate of the tree of mortal life, partook of the elements of this earth, that they might again become mortal for their children's sake. They fell, that another world might have a probation, redemption, and resurrection. End quote from Women of Mormondom, Tullage, page 179. And now we're on page 50. Adam and Eve are the names of the fathers and mothers of worlds. So scientists might hesitate to accept the Mormon ideals of the genesis of mortals and immortals. But Joseph and Brigham have very much improved on the mosaic genesis of man. It is certainly not scientific to make Adam as a model, uh, model adobe. adobe. <laughs> the race has come by generation. The genesis of a hundred worlds of his family since his day does not suggest brickyards of mortal or of mortality. The patriarchal economy of Mormonism is at least an improvement and is decidedly epic in all its constructions and ideals. A grand patriarchal line then, down from the eternities, generations of worlds and generations of gods all in one universal family. End quote from Women of Mormondom, pages 180 to 181. This is consistent 
with reason, and it opens depth to our scriptures, or to the scriptures. We were taught by the Savior to pray to our Father who is in heaven, and thereby recognize the actuality of such a relationship. In 1910, the church published an article on man's beginning, which literally teaches such to be the doctrine we believe. This is from Priesthood Course of Study, 1910, subject, The Creation of Man, quote, Man has descended from God. In fact, he is the same race as the gods. His descendant has not been from a lower form of life. In other words, man is, in the most literal sense, a child of God. This is not only true of the spirit of man, but also of his body. End quote. From Priesthood Course of Study, 1910, subject, The Creation of Man. Thus, the doctrine advocated by Brigham Young exalts exalts man's relationship with God. Man has his roots in the creation. He is the spiritual and physical child of God. No other doctrine has ever brought the relationship between man and God any closer. No other doctrine ever revealed the condescent for his children in a more beautiful and loving manner than through the fall of Adam. Condescension. I know you should see how they uh, how they split that word. So it's split in half to the next line, and then right in the middle of the word, it also said the page number. So I was like condescension. <laughs> it was just it was just weird the way that it was split in three different ways. So I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. So no other doctrine ever revealed the condescension of God for His children in a more beautiful and loving manner than through the fall of Adam. This doctrine combines all the long-suffering and love of eternal father who was willing to endure the pain and sorrow of mortality to introduce the plan of salvation to all of his sons and daughters through birth in spirit and body. Men became the sons of God by generation. And that's the end of that chapter four. Now we're on page 52, chapter five, Adam, father of our spirits. Which we will get to next time. Uh, next time I do a podcast or an internet radio show, whatever happens. Um, I did want to tell people <laughs> that there is a program tonight. If you follow the uh, group that I'm in, um, LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, you can find the link to a discussion that we're going to have on this Zoom meeting. <laughs> um. Somebody was trying to talk to me. I'm on the mine road. So anyway, um, but we're going to be talking about the book of Isaiah. And if you are listening live, you can find the link to that on that Facebook group. And you can find it in the Facebook group, The Doctrine of Christ, which I enjoy. Not to break up. So let me see if I can find the music, uh, which is really hard to do when you're driving. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Okay, here it is. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I'll call you in a minute, Kim. Take care, everyone. God bless. Mm-hmm.